Hello and welcome once again to another episode of the Stump Mike Podcast. I am Srinath Shripath, your host, and this is 2019, the year of Stephen Smith, another year of Stephen Smith, some might say, to scaling newer heights in Test cricket by the week. We're going to talk about all things Smith over the next half an hour and a bit. I've got someone who's known him for the longest time, who was instrumental in getting him out of school so that he could make a million dollars a year playing cricket. Well done and welcome to Trent Woodhill, one of cricket coaching's finest minds, someone who's widely respected and served teams from around the world. Hello, Trent. G'day. Thanks for having me. Good to be on. Likewise. Pleasure. Who else has been traveling, watching Stephen Smith's glory years from close quarters? It's our own Dan Bretting. Hey, Dan. You're joining us from London. Good to be here, guys. Great. Likewise, Dan, uh, you're following him play another memorable Ashes where he's breaking all kinds of records. Trent, uh, honest question. When you saw Smith growing up in his teens, did you actually believe he'd get to a point where only Bradman-esque applies as a valid objective to describe him? It's, it's amazing, isn't it, it that he's, he's been spoken about in the same breath as, as the, Sir Donald Bradman. He's an amazing talent, and I think as a coach, uh, seeing him when, when he was very young, I never ever thought about the future other than the now and, and I, I was always just amazed at his capacity and his, his joy for his cricket. So nothing really surprises me. Um, it was always, it was always there. It was all, it was, it was always talented. It was always successful. His biggest challenge was, was what everybody sees now. It, it was being able to maintain his technique in the, in the face of others, uh, not understanding how it worked. Yeah, Dan, uh, the one interesting thing that I wanted to ask Trent, and I'd done it by you as well. When we watch modern Australian batsmen, I'm talking about others as well, modern Aussie greats, starting from uh, Ricky Ponting onwards to, you know, to, to Mike Hussey through Stephen Smith's teammates and contemporaries as well. We don't think of unconventional or unorthodox as the adjective to describe any of them. Do you think Smith's career is even more outstanding when viewed through that lens? Because he's kind of, you know, trodden his own path outside what's considered mainstream in Australia. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, th- and there's no, you know, it, it won't, it won't be any surprise talking to, to Trent about this, but yeah, the, the, the general view in Australia over the years tends to be that, you know, if someone gets to the top and is the best in the world, um, whether they're a batsman or a bowler, you follow them. And so we've had, you know, generations of people trying to bowl like Gen- Dennis Lilly or bowl like Shane Warne or bat like Ricky Ponting or bat like Greg Chappell. And so for Steve to find his own way, in that environment when there are so many voices in the ear saying, oh, you've got to do it this way and being quite prescriptive, that is definitely one of the more uh, intriguing and, and, and impressive elements of, of his story. And, you know, to the extent that, you know, there's now a conversation among the, the Justin Langers and the Ricky Pontings about how can anyone uh, mimic this guy? You know, it's, it's almost impossible to, to, to do what he does. And uh, that's a very different conversation in Australian cricket. Yeah, the first thing that comes to your mind if you kind of followed Smith's career throughout, obviously, is that it was not always us. He was picked as a leg spinner. He kind of became a batsman who dominated later on, maybe three, four years into his career. Trent, uh, one of the quotes that I remember from you is uh, about how coaches growing up in Australian age group cricket and uh, to, to the senior setup is about how when a ball is pitched outside off, the convention and the coaching always says hit it through mid-off, while Smith always wanted to hit it through mid-on. That's how unconventional and opposite to traditional logic it was. 
how hard was it making you know or, or convincing him to kind of stick to his own method rather than you know like Dan said listen to so many voices in his ears i think it was it was it's just growing up you know the 15 year old Stephen to the 19 year old Stephen to the 23 year old Stephen there's you know cricketers cricketers are slower to grow up i think because just because of the treadmill that they're on naturally so i, I was i was aware that Stephen needed protecting not not in any other sense other than just his game Stephen as a as a 16 year old was challenging men twice his age and was better than men twice his age who were considered good people and good players and and so that was always there but Young players need, they need protection from both themselves, but also others who, who don't like difference. And a, a cricket dressing room can be a really brutal place for a young, talented player to conform. And more so in Australia than any other country I've, I've been in. You know, Stephen was Indian. He, his, uh, his mechanics and technique and his strategy around his batting would just be accepted. You know, we, we see Kohli, Gavaskar, Sharma, Saywag, Ganguly. All, all these players have really unique techniques. And, and it was, you know, the, the Indian system is all about outputs, all about scoring runs. We, we don't care how you do it as long as you do it. But in Australia, there was always, we wanted you to score well. And we, want, we wanted you to look good. And players would get praise for a, a sexy or a good-looking 30. And others who would score 60 or 70 that were unconventional were almost dismissed. And that, that's from bowlers to batters. And Stephen's bowling, to me, is a really good way of looking at where his batting could have gone. To me, Stephen was a, was an Anil Kumble-style, Rashid Khan-style bowler who, who used to run in, was all right-sided, all right-shoulder, unconventional, unconventional technique, but he was accurate. He spun, he spun the ball, had a really good wrong end, bowled a flipper. But then, you know, the, the Terry Jenners of the world, the, 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 the spin doctors got involved and had a theory on how Everybody had to bowl and had to bowl like Shane Moore. And to come back to Dan's comments before, that every every Australian hero, it was a cookie cutter mentality that everybody had to be like like their heroes. You had to, you know, if you wanted to succeed, this is how you had to bat. You had to bat like Craig Chappell. Then it was Alan Border. Then it was Steve Waugh. Then it was Ricky Ponting. Then it was Michael Clark. And those touches are in most of these cricketers. And, um, you know, Stephen's bowling dropped off because of mechanical changes that were forced upon him. And, and I could see that with him as I saw it with a, with a young guy called Adam Zampa, who's, who's played World Cups for Australia and, and had a similar bowling style to Stephen. And, and he was encouraged to change. And there was, there was lots of byway conversations around, you know, spin up, spin hard, revs on the ball. You have to, you have to be able to bowl a big leg rate if you want to be successful. And, and we've seen a whole lot of subcontinent bowlers come along and change that mentality. Even though Anil Kumble was doing it for fun, nobody actually recognized that that, that was conventional. That was worthwhile following as well. So Stephen's batting has always for me been about just protecting it so that he got the best out of himself and understood what he did rather than me coaching him. I've said this a little bit lately that Stephen Stephen was was fortunate that in Peter Smith his father was a really good really good mentor not only just a great father but a really good mentor to to Stephen in terms of his batting and then when I came along it was all just about protecting what Peter and Stephen had created themselves and then he moved into um, a scenario where he was with Michael Divinuto from about 2012-13 where Divin taught him about day-to-day batting about every day getting up getting better being hungry how to how to graft out an innings how to how to, 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 to really take down bowling day in, day out. So to the point where then when Diva left, Stephen became the best coach of himself, also became the leader of the country. So he, he's, he's got to the point where the AG is now, he's the best coach of himself. 
He's also understands his game better than anyone else does, including you know, including all of us. And and, and it's it's then now how do you look at that and how do you protect that in the next the next version of Stephen Smith? And that might be a, a bowler, might be a left arm bowler, it might be a, a left hand batter. But you know, in Australia, we we really want to we, we we struggle with with things that aren't stuff that we understand. We struggle with things that are different, and we we want to go back to it to a. A sexy Sean Marsh thirty, rather than the <laughs> unconventional Stephen Smith hundred, and that that's that's inbuilt in a conservative nation when it comes to comes to sport and cricket. Um, whereas other other nations just find a way. You know, it's the Rashid Khan uh, hold the ball like an off spin and the bowls leg spin. The Anil Kumble seam up wrist spin predominantly wrong. And the, the things that they've had success, but Australian cricket likes to pass the baton on. This is how you do it. This is how it's always been done. This is what you do. And Stephen's come along. And, and, to, and to a same extent, David Warner, they've they just come along and said, no, no, we're, we're going to do it this way now. And, and they've had a lot of success. I'm going to bring it back to Virendra Seva at some point later, Trent, because I know you worked with him as well at Delhi Daredevils. At a, at a later point in his career, you have seen him up close at Delhi Daredevils in the IPL. Dan, now just winding the clock back a little bit, Trent spoke about uh, Smith in the modern day and how he's his best coach. But back about four or five years ago, he was like most batsmen struggling in England where to a point uh, when guys like Tim Breston and Chris Tremlett, no offense, they were getting him out outside the off, nicking him outside off. Uh, what's what's the kind of role that a coach like Michael Devenute already mentioned and a head coach like Dan Lehman, the importance even at such a high level like international cricket of a coach kind of backing him and backing him to do what he's always known best? Just talk us through a bit uh, through that. Yeah, I, I think one of the, the the things that Steve has always shown a, a great degree of um, autonomy about is he wants to figure things out for himself. And what he needs is, you know, the volume of balls being thrown at him and the volume of questions being asked, um, you know, whether it's with the with the with the dog thrower or whatever. To, to give him the time to, to, to work those things out himself. And I, and I think the talking about, you know, being, being nicked off a bit early in his career, I mean, he gets to the Perth test match where he makes the hundred that he has said was a key innings for him in the 2013-14 Ashes. Not only because it felt it, it helped him feel secure in the team, but it also in, in his mind was the, the birth of him uh, making his, you know, more exaggerated move across, across to the offside. And that was as much about him feeling relaxed and confident in himself. It was a, a story that took place immediately before that game. He uh, shared a drive with, um, with Chris Rogers, uh, on the way, I think down to, um, visit a cricket club in, in Perth. They really had a heart to heart about how uncertain Steve was feeling about his place in the team. And the tenor of the conversation essentially was to say from Rogers side, just look, there's a lot of confidence in you being very good and you just need to relax a bit and be able to show that. And, and I don't think it was any coincidence that having had those sorts of reassuring words and they would have come from, from Michael David Nudo as well. Smith found the, the headspace to go out into the middle in Perth and not only uh, score a hundred but latch on to a technical change that has served him incredibly well over the over over the next six years. He has talked quite often time. about that hundred as being the start of him making his pre-movement more exaggerated across to the offside. Hey, Trent, could you throw some more light on this? Because there was a year, 2012, when he was out of the test side. He didn't play too much international cricket at that point. 
wasn't that the time coincidentally when you were with him at Sydney Sixers? Correct me if I'm wrong. No, I, I was with the Sydney Sixers. Stephen and I have always come back into contact, and so it, it's my 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 time with Stephen is so different than that with David. David, it's always it's always around making sure that his mechanics are in a place that that are ready to go, and 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 you know we 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 get right into his his game, Stephen. Stephen will, will will text or call or we'll have a hit and it will just be making sure he's doing the things that he wants to do or it might just be a it, – it's like a grease and oil change. That's all with it. You, know, you, you get a service, you get a once-a-year service, you come in and you make sure things are there. And uh, uh, Stephen, I think, like a Steve War uh, and a Ricky Ponning, they, they, they figured out what what repeats and what works. Yeah, 2012 Steve Smith was, was dynamite still. He, he could play some of the most exciting innings you've seen. And, and then I think all these players, including Coley and probably, probably Kane Williamson as well, they reach a point where they go, this is it. This is what I need to do to do, to, to score Red Bull runs day in, day out. And I reckon those three and, and Smith, Coley and Root, uh, and, and Williamson would all have a, a moment in time where they went, okay, right. There's, there's no more, there's no more tinkering or messing about. This is the style. This is the shape. This is the, the technical makeup. These are the things I have to do. These are my movements to, to make sure that I can do, I can repeat day in, day out and uh, perform under pressure. We saw it with Coley, where Coley used to have a back, uh, a back tap and then he'd lift and, and as a bowler, we'd come into his bowling stride. Now, you know, Coley has his hands on his back hip. So all, all this, all these little minor changes, they're just done to make sure that they can cope with the day to day grind of red ball cricket. And mm. I think they figure that out themselves. All right. That's, that's my view. And it's, it's just whether it holds up under pressure. And that's what, that's what they want to know. From a coach, they just want to know whether this this you know. Do you think this will hold hold up under pressure? Do you see any problems with this? This feels comfortable. This repeats nicely. I'm having some success with it, and and that's all they you know. They that's the the mode of a good player. I mean, you know, you go back to people like Steve Waugh. They they refine their game, and they had to they had to take some parts away from it. And 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 I think Smith, Coley, and and Williams have all done that. And the beauty of 2020 cricket and white ball cricket is that and then they can go back away from that and expand their games again. And, and, and the trick is then as a coach is being able to make sure all three forms flow into one another and that the, that the, the basic shape and the basic skill level doesn't get impeded by, by, by the color of the ball. Yeah. It, it kind of feels like Steve Smith's game in particular is, is kind of growing that much more the more he plays. Test cricket or T20 cricket, because a lot of times, like you said, guys playing shorter formats, their games tend to get affected by the shorter format of playing in the IPL. couple of questions that I have for you. One is uh, about how this, this interesting thing about how Smith keeps talking about visualizing facing bowlers, but during a sleep. A lot of coaches talk about visualization as a big tool, etc., etc. But it, it kind of feels like he's unique in the sense that he, he talks about facing or planning for bowlers, not sleeping too often during a test match. I understand these are unique quirks, but is this kind of a standout feature that you've not seen in too many other cricketers? I will get to Dan to ask him what his current teammates think about it as well, Dan. Yeah, the way I think 
following on from what Trent said about Smith finding things that are repeatable and that being a huge part of how he feels comfortable in the in the middle. That doesn't just speak to his actual batting technique. That speaks to his entire routine and even the fact that for for five years he was very much uh, dubious about wearing a stem guard on his helmet because he tried it once or twice and felt uncomfortable. Associated that with you know just a a, a lack of, of of comfort. And, and, you know, being cocooned in the middle and so didn't want a bar of it. And, uh, you know, it took him to get, um, a, a pretty hefty hit to the head at, um, at Lords and, you know, the rest of the team to be like, well, you really, you, you've got to wear this. And then he wore it in all of his uh, preparation for the Old Trafford test. And not only that, but also wore an arm guard. And these are two things that he'd never, he'd, he'd never wanted to wear before. He goes out, he makes, a, a double century, and now he says to his teammates, "Well, they're good to stay now. I'll, I'll wear I'll wear these for every innings I I, I play." And that um, that's where the line from Steve about um, his teammates had a laugh because they all, or in his words, they all know how strange I am. <laughs> okay, uh, one last question before we let you go, Dan. Uh, at the end of this part one of this episode is about how. There have been parallels drawn with Bradman. Obviously, the numbers kind of tell the tale in that regard in terms of how prolific a test batsman Smith is becoming. But are there other parallels to be kind of analyzed as well in the sense that their methods are not exactly what you'd call mainstream? There is so much talk talked about how Bradman hit a round tank stand in his backyard throughout. Smith's, of course, is Steve Waugh has spoken about how, how many balls he hits and he's, how he's seen nobody play as much. And Steve Waugh has seen a fair bit during his career as well. Where is Steven Smith's method honed? And in a sense, where does it come from? It's, because it's so unconventional. Is it just a backyard cricket thing in Australia or is there kind of more to it? Oh, I think, I mean, obviously he, um, he has, you know, incredible hand-eye coordination. He also has, and something that I think is in common uh, between Smith and Bradman, is a very strong analytical mind when it comes to what's happening in that very short space of time between the um, the, the bowler getting into his delivery stride and the, and the batsman hitting the ball. It's not a great deal of time at all but it's it's something that he's been able to 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 develop his we talk about repeatable movements but also repeatable movements and, and a pre-movement in particular that I've I've written a couple of times it it, it actually it, it creates an optical illusion for bowlers and it is something that I've seen so so many times bowling teams you know, fall into the the trap that is being laid for them by Steve to to bowl at his stumps and bowl at his pads. And it, it was it was interesting uh, during the Old Trafford Test. There was um, you know a, a, a comment from a from a fairly disgruntled England supporter who just said uh, you know a- average batsman who should be bowled or LBW in his first over at the crease every time. If Freddie Flintoff was playing for England, he'd he'd York he'd bowl a Yorker at leg stump and he'd miss it every time. And that is the that that is the uh, the genius really of Steve Smith that people still think this about him. Trent's asking who said that, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was someone I was interacting with on Twitter. It wasn't. It wasn't anyone of uh, you know huge note. <laughs> the thing is about his technique is that old guard, old older t- 
test greats still can't understand how it works. So they still think, especially bowlers, well, if I was bowling, I'd sort this guy out. And, and that's the that's the, the thing with cricket, especially especially in England and Australia. If I don't understand how it looks, it can't work. And Stephen's proved that time and time again. Now, now yeah, he, I mean, he's the best since Bradman. This, this is not even an argument. This is he's the best since Bradman. And actually, to uh, further to that, he he is now sustaining a level of performance greater than anyone since Bradman for a longer period than Bradman did it. So <laughs> there was a stat just yesterday, I think, that uh, Smith's streak or the purple patch, so to say, has gone slightly longer than Ricky Ponting's streak, which is again kind of gold standard in Australian and world batting. Yes, but even then, it's um, his. Uh, I mean, his streak is averaging, I think from off the top of my head, is, is averaging in the mid-70s. And and there's no one who has averaged better than that. And I think the closest is, uh, you know, in terms of a, of a sustained period of their, of their career, the closest, I think, is Gary Sobers. Wow. Yeah, that is phenomenal. Dan, uh, we're going to let you go and join the Aussie squad at the Oval. On the way, I think you've got some other stuff to do as well, so we won't take any Yes, I've got some laundry to do. Thanks a lot for joining. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. You said it. Okay, Uh, just coming back to the point that uh, Dan just made, Trent, about how there's this whole temptation to keep bowling at his pads because he moves so far across. Uh, it is unique. You said nobody's figured it out. But uh, do captains have another way? Because uh, Jeff Boycott during the 2017 Ashes spoke about how he's got a weakness against the moving ball, etc., etc. But this time around, two years later in England, he's pretty think, much think, come out to face. I think we need to start referencing Jeff Boycott. I, I, I really do. I think listening to him, I don't think he understands what Steve Smith does either. So, so you know, he he, he appreciates <laughs> he appreciates the results of Steve Smith, but he, he doesn't understand the process. It's so different to what. He did. I, I mean, every time in England, it's always easy to go, oh, moving ball. Coley figured out the moving ball. Coley struggled over there because he felt like he had to do something different. And then, then last year, just went back to what he does and made the, made the, the movements he's all, he does in India and, and he dominated. So... I think I'd like to stop referencing Jeff Boycott. <laughs> In the context of modern batsmen, fair enough, fair enough. It's been a long time since he played. <laughs> There's a few things uh, that come to mind since you talk about Kohli. Kohli, I think, is another person you worked with at uh, Royal Challenges Bangalore. Is that uh, right, Trent? Are there parallels now between Stephen Smith and some of the best Asian batsmen or batsmen from other parts of the world in that there is acceptance in Australian cricket, seeing the end product that he's produced? And now they're just accepting his method finally after long last after he's averaging closest to Bradman. Yeah, yeah. Which I think I think the Indian cricketing population and fan fandom can understand Stephen a lot more. I think there's been you know from Muhammad Azharuddin with his strong bottom hand grip to to Sunny Gavaskar, you know, all the way up to to, to Virat. There's been Lakshman too, to an extent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a good call. I think you know, probably Azaruddin, Lakshman, and Kohli. I think those three guys they're, they're more similar to to Stephen Smith than any of the Australian players who played. Yeah, but but I, but I see I see lots of similarities between Kane Williamson, Virat Kohli, and Steve Smith. I I, I think I think they're all they're, they're they're all have a unique ability to be able to change their grip on the bat without it affecting their performance, which I think is amazing. My, in my experience with all the great players around that, whenever there's a slight grip change, it affects them massively. But those three guys, they, you know, they have the ability to, to 
to use a different grip depending on what format they're playing. And that's, you know, that's, that's what I think because their emphasis isn't, I had a sort of a Facebook conversation with Greg Chappell about top hand dominance. And, and I've never had a conversation with an Indian cricketer about top hand dominance. I've had conversations with Indian cricketers about finding the middle of the bat, about, you know, about feeling good. About finding some rhythm and you're, you're batting, throwing balls to Yuvraj Singh. He's not worried about which hand is dominant. Yuvraj was just worried about making sure his rhythm is right and he's finding the middle of the bat. And not, not as MS Dhoni, I guess. Exactly. I mean, Dhoni, you know, he's a he's a god. You know, he's he's you know, his ability is. It's always been about the competition. And somewhere along the line in English cricket and Australian cricket, the word technique was embedded into the the, the commentary, the preparation, the coaching the senior players and the beauty of something like the IPL it's changed that that chat so that because the, the cricketing world has become closer together so there's more conversations between nationalities and players of, of unbelievable talent that the focus is now is on performance so w- where I feel I feel from Western society has never really fully appreciated the skills of a Yuvraj Singh, an MS Dhoni, or a, a, of a Verinda Sawag until the IPL came along. And you, you go back to Gaviscar. I mean, Gaviscar was an absolute master. And, and it's, you know, it was almost like, well, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll focus on somebody else. And the, these guys were so unique in the way that they played that nobody ever took the time to tap into that because coming back to what Dan said, it was always like, okay, well, let's, let's work on an Australian hero that we can focus on that did really well. Well, yeah, that's, that was to the Australian cricket's detriment. Un- unconventional or uniqueness, you know, we should, we should celebrate it and try and work out how it works and, and, and not to cookie cutter it, not to, to, to mimic it, but more so just to, to find out is there more, more players with a DNA that matches different people that you can, as young coaches or, or young players, you can work out, well, what, what style suits me? Jacques Callis and Damien Martin were unbelievable offside players. They could have a, you could have no leg side players and they'd still score at, a, at, a, at an amazing strike rate because they were that good on an offside. BBS Lachman, Muhammad Azuddin, Steve Smith, Virat Kohli, those guys are unbelievable leg side players. Doesn't mean their offside games are not any good. Just they, they, so it's just working out where your dominance lies and, and it's just, I just find it fascinating and, and my curiosity was always peaked and someone like Stephen, I, I saw him and went, wow, I don't really understand this, but I know that it works. So I need to understand why it works so that, so mm. that I can then make sure that I can help if something goes wrong. To kind of reverse engineer a product if it turns up in the future. This is basically yeah. what you're saying. Uh, it is actually a perfect time to bring in Gaurav Sundaraman, our uh, senior stats analyst. And like I said, an unapologetic Australia fan. He watches Stephen Smith play pretty much every day. He plays test cricket or, or any form of cricket. Gaurav, uh, you've got some wagon wheel stats to throw at Trent in the sense that Stephen Smith's wagon wheel is absolutely unique at international level. He spoke about offside, but Stephen Smith's leg side is what most people consider offside just in terms of the volume of runs. Yeah, uh, fascinating to hear uh, Trent talk about uh, the growth of uh, Steve Smith. Uh, uh, I have a, I was dig- digging up some numbers about uh, Steve Smith and uh, how he goes about his uh, 
shot making and if you actually see uh, what I found interesting was his obviously uh, square leg uh, forward square leg and backward square leg constitute 35% of his uh, runs and this is only from uh, November 2013 when uh, he kind of changed his uh, technique one interesting thing is uh, people when you go up say batsmen need to uh, hit in the V I remember Matthew Hayden was extremely strong at that and Steve Smith actually scores just 17% in the in the V which is really less compared to a great cricketer. So was that thought not instilled in him or it's just that he felt that square leg and uh, mid-wicket is where I need to go and uh, that's the area I need to focus on? Probably I'll answer the question with a question. I'd like to know Viv Richardson's stats as well. And I, and I, 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 I growing up... I wish d- data was collected that time, but uh, it'll be interesting <laughs> to see that. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 I, I think um, as, a, <laughs> as a coach, and I've just had that with a, this conversation with a, a high-profile client, if you like, or I won't mention, but I think playing straight is overrated. And words in cricket can do so much harm. If, if you play with a straight bat in England consistently, uh, and if you take that that old age of playing the V in England early on, you, you, you're going to nick off for fun because the ball the ball moves too much. And, and I think that players that are able to target the square boundaries to, to all-length balls are the players that are going to have the most success at the moment, especially in the UK and, and India as well where the ball doesn't bounce that much. Um, because it, it's so it's so difficult to beat the bowler and mid off and mid on by playing straight, and not only that, is the ball only has to move an inch and you and you're out. You nick, you nick off or you play a miss. So I I, I like those stats from Stephen. I, I, I like that, that. To me, that says that that backs up my thinking that why he's successful is because he doesn't play in the V because the, the balls aren't aren't pitched there. If, if if you're setting up a young player now. Especially in England and Australia where top of off is always spoken of. That the amount of times I've been in bowlers meetings where I've heard, yeah, we, if we challenge people at the top of off, we're going to do okay. And commentators. <laughs> yeah. So, so I set up players to dominate top of off. And, and that's where IPL and 2020 cricket has come into the fore is where early days of the IPL, you could still bowl top of off and trouble certain batsmen. Batters are now set up to hit top of off. And, you know, whether it's a, it's a front foot pull or whether it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a back foot slash drive slash cut over, over cover. Batters, batters are now equipped to handle that. What happens is when batters decide they want to be conventional, they stop scoring runs in test cricket because they, they're trying to be too conventional. And if you like, Jason Roy, to me, in this test series against Australia, has tried to be too conventional. He's tried to bat like a like an old-fashioned vertical batsman rather than dominating the horizontal ball. Yeah, so one of the favourite quotes that I've read, of, I think you've, you've, you've spoken to Kirin Haig about it, uh, is about how you can make a player... 10% better by coaching him at the international level. But by telling him the wrong things, like you said, you can ruin his career 100%. <laughs> that kind of sums up uh, the whole question, right? Yeah, I, I reckon it's less than 10%. I reckon you're guaranteed to stuff him up 100% if you get it wrong. It's probably 5%. I, I, I mean, I'd love to know the numbers, but it's, you know, with someone, with someone like David Warner, who I've, I've spent a lot of time with, you know, and Stephen, over a, over a longer period of time, but it, but probably less time in terms of face to face. It's, it's just working out what a player needs, what a player needs, what do they want, mixing them together and making sure it's always about them. We mentioned Saywag and we mentioned, and we haven't mentioned Kevin Peterson, but two of the, 
the, the greatest people have had influenced my coaching career is, is Kevin Peterson and Veranda Saywag. And, and that to a lot of people would seem odd because they don't seem like players that coaches embrace. But those two guys made sure that my focus was always on how can I help them either continue their success or improve if they're, if they're not succeeding. And that was always about understanding what they did, not what I knew and or, or not what I had done. So, so Stephen Smith, Peterson, Warner, Coley, De Villiers, Williamson, it's, it's always about, okay, let's establish who they are. Where, where are their strengths? How do we maintain their strengths? If we maintain their strengths, there's less chance of their weaknesses becoming a concern or a problem. Um, and if they get off track, reminding them of who they are and what they want and what they need rather than trying to, uh, impart some, some, something that I, I think, you know, would, would change them because under pressure, that's when players have to perform. And if we're making changes when there's no pressure in a practice environment, chances are when you add pressure, they'll, they'll fail. And so that's, that's the tough part as a coach, you know, and someone like Stephen, if, if you're, if you, if you want him to conform to what you, what you're used to or what you like, and that's what commentators do. Commentators in a whole, they, that's what they want to embrace. There's, there's people, I mean, Michael Atherton and Nasser Hussain and David Lloyd, those three are brilliant at, of, of, of recognizing, uh, when something's different and embracing that and talking about why it works. And, and it's, that's what's, you know, that's what I love about commentary as well is when, 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 you know, one of those three are talking about Stephen Smith, just the detail they go into and, and the picture they paint is, is important. And as commentators and coaches, you can get it really wrong if you try and t- to make everybody adhere to what you're used to talking about or what you want to coach. Total credit where it's due, Trent. Uh, Atherton's comments, I think, during the second or second test, if I'm not wrong, is what kind of spurred me to reach out to you for this podcast because he spoke about uh, how Smith kind of turned it around with the leg side pivot back in 2012-13 and, and then... You know, the, the story kind of writes itself from that point. One last question before I hand over to Gaurav, who wants to know how a bowler or what kind of mythical bowler can get Smith out regularly. One last question to you is because you've spoken about Sevag and Peterson. The one difference with Smith is the amount of feet movement there is compared to a Sevag. In the sense, he's fidgety, etc., etc. One thing that was doled out about Sevag when he was reaching the end of his career is about how a batsman's hand-eye coordination kind of deteriorates like any other human being as they go on, as they go into their 30s, as they get older. How do you see Smith shaping up and coping with it? Will his feet movement kind of make him better suited as he goes on into his 30s? How do you see that coming along? It's a good, it's a good question. Having, having spent a lot of time with Viru, so where Sayway was great was that he he was really helpful to me in, to, in understanding what, what his strengths were. And I don't think Stephen's footwork will enable him to, to lengthen his career. Um, any more than, than what Say Wang's lack of footwork didn't, didn't, uh, extend his career. Vera was still scoring IPL hundreds to, into his, you know, into his late thirties. And, and obviously fitness plays a part. And, that, and, and, you know, an, an athlete, an athlete, so a fit person is going to have longevity, long, you know, more so than someone who isn't, isn't an athlete who isn't fit. Say Wang was really clever. He, he, Made sure in the same way that, that Stephen does is that he made people think that he had a truck, he had problems with the short ball, had problems with top of off. And it, it, you know, in my, my memories of Saywag is top of off going between mid on and mid wicket 
that back foot punch that he would play, almost like a half back foot drive, half pull shot that would race away to the, the you know, forward mid-wicket boundary or he'd glance you for four, similar to Stephen. So very similar scoring patterns. And be interesting to see what um, what you think there, what Gaurav has there around around Saywag stats as well. But the amount of times Saywag would glance a quick bowler for four or punch him past wide mid-on slash mid-wicket for four was incredible. And then they, then they got wide, then Saywag and Smith would cut well and they they they'd either hit you back with a point for four or they'd hit you forward a point for four. And I, I think it's it's creating that illusion to the bowler that there's a chance you can get me out here, but actually being a strength. And Saywag and, and Smith are very similar in that regard. And what Saywag did better than any other cricketer I've seen is he transferred his weight through the ball fantastically well. And and that's that was, to me, was the first time I realised that Indian cricketers, Indian batsmen, have a unique advantage because they, they're not focused on a technique or footwork. Saywag would, would transfer his weight with his hips through the ball, through minimal footwork. And he would he explained to me, as long as my foot lifted towards offside when I cut, or as long as my hips twisted through the ball when he, when he was playing the onside, he was able to play really late at the top of the swing or reverse swing in, in terms of India. So his, his weight transfer was amazing. And that's, if you put Stephen Smith and, and Saywag side by side, upon impact and just before impact, I reckon they'd be very similar. And Kevin Peterson would be another one similar to that. And and a lot of Stephen's pre, pre-limb movements, they, they act as, as, a, as a real camouflage to the bowlers. And Saywag was the same. Everyone thought, oh, Saywag's not moving his feet. So when he'd get out, everyone would say, oh, wow, you know, Vera didn't move his feet, that cost him his dismissal. But normally it would just be because it was either a good ball or because he yeah. played on the wrong line. But Saywag's ability yeah. to transfer weight through the ball was absolutely first class. So Trent, it was fascinating to hear uh, you speak about the unorthodox technique of Steve Smith. Uh, my question to you is, why isn't he that successful in limited overs in white ball cricket compared to test matches? And if uh, my comparison and benchmark here is, Obviously, guys like Virat Kohli, who's able to adapt to various situations and uh, various balls, for that matter. And uh, A.B. de Villiers, uh, again, very similar in that. And you worked with both of them at RCB. What is that that's lacking in Smith to have the same kind of success in uh, limited overs internationally? Is it a mental thing or is it a technical thing? Definitely not a technical thing. I, th- I think he, he feels he has to do more than what he actually does. And that, that might be just power. Same, same with Joe Root. Joe Root in the World Cup at times wanted to lift to, to a, a higher gear, feeling they have to hit the ball 10 rows back and they, they lose their shape. But I think Kane Williamson and in particular is someone who's so consistent across all three formats. And Kane has that ability to get two off every ball in a, in a T20 match, which is amazing through the way he does that. And Stephen has the power, has the shots. Definitely has the ability, has the technique. So I think it's just coming to terms with the style about how he scores his runs. You know, whereas a, whereas a Warner and a De Villiers can go to a ball and that they can do that through unbelievable boundary options. I think Stephen needs to bat more like Kane Williamson where that, that might be two off every ball rather than four off every second ball. There was a talk trend, I think, uh, just after the second test or the beginning of the third test in the current Ashes series when everybody was wondering and breaking their heads about how on earth to get Stephen Smith out, Jack Leach's name came in because, you know, the stats say oh, he's just he averages just 35 against left-armers. Leach came in, 
Smith caught out long after he had passed 100. The no ball happened and then he went on to score a double 100. Gaurav, uh, you've got some numbers on how he fares against various types of bowling. Would you like to ask Trent about how he sees bowlers getting him out as difficult as that seems today? He did get out to Leeds, didn't he? He was dropped on. <laughs> he was dropped on. Suddenly, the, and then he uh, got out of a no ball. And then again, in the second innings, uh, he kind of dominated Leeds. And whenever he was looking to play a bit attacking and trying to go after the bowling, he felt a bit uncomfortable, which is very similar to what you said about uh, ODIs and T20s, because that's what you need to do for this, a sustained period of time. So maybe that's the only change, uh, only uh, thing he needs to adapt maybe before the T20 World Cup next year. Moving on, Trent. So about the ideal bowler to get Steve Smith out. So we are just, we want to do a fun segment with you about you uh, telling us what kind of qualities of which bowler whom you watched in your lifetime would you want ideally to bowl to someone like Smith. Interestingly, Boomer has yet to bowl to Smith and I'm very excited to watch that next year in Australia when India actually go there, whether Boomer would be able to get Steve Smith out regularly. But uh, is there an ideal bowler who would, uh, can you form an ideal bowler who you think would be good to bowling uh, bowling to Smith? It can even be Glenn Mega for that matter, but someone, <laughs> uh, the type of delivery you would ideally want someone to bowl to Smith. I think Dalstein would have been perfect just just for that ability to take the ball away off the seam. But Boomer, I mean, you, you've stolen my thunder there. I, I think I think Boomer would be a good matchup for Stephen. Um, I, I don't think England's bowl well to him. I I, I agree with Nasser saying. Um, I, I think to me, to Stephen, you have to bowl full fifth stump, not not full stump, not top of full stump, not top of fifth stump, but full fifth stump with an offside field. I, I think that's the that's the best way if you if you want to be conventional. I think that they could have gone to more white ball bowling to him with a defensive field as well. And why would you do that? I, I mentioned that to, about Coley as well. I, I think Coley and Smith they they like to set the batting tempo. What I mean by that is they like bat on ball. Yes, they, 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 they're comfortable letting the ball go, but that there's a rhythm that they like to, to play red ball cricket in. So you have to take that rhythm away from them. And I feel like England have, especially the Birmingham set that up. They, at eight for 122, they focused on the numbers 10, 10 and 11 rather than bowling to Smith. So he got away. They, they kept bowling in the channel to him and he was able to score easily. And, I think that was the time they needed to bowl a lot more slow ball. So Joffrey Archer not bowling 90 miles an hour, but actually bowling Yorkers, bowling um, bounces, but bowling change-ups. And I'd be bowling three changes-ups and over to Stephen, just so he can't get in the rhythm. It doesn't mean you're going to get him out, but you might affect his rhythm. And if you are going to bowl conventional, then you have to be full fifth, sixth stump with an offside field. Gaurav, uh, isn't that one of your ideas, <laughs> the hypothetical scenario where you said somebody should try an off-cutter full onto his pads like Bumrah bowled to Sean Marsh? Wasn't that one of your theories? Yeah, I treated that actually. The fact that I think not many bowlers have tried to bowl uh, slower balls at him first up. I think uh, he's uh, with his kind of setup, I just feel that he may not be expecting a, a slower Yorker, but it's a very hard ball to execute. Some Something like what Lasith Malinga does day in and day out. But I think that early on in his innings uh, could get that dream LBW which all the bowlers are trying for. But I might be obviously way off the mark when Smith just flicks that for four. But uh, I think it's worth uh, giving that a shot. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not convinced. <laughs> but if anyone can, there you go. That's a that's a saying for for the Indian fans. 
If anyone can, Boomer can. Interesting. We are months away from that uh, mouth-watering class, but we'll make sure to keep an eye out for that. Fascinating on that note from Trent to absolutely insightful and a great listen. Uh, thanks for joining us, Trent. Uh, it's It's been a great time for the last 45 minutes listening to you on Stephen Smith. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And uh, thanks as always to Gaurav Sundaraman. Uh, Thank you, Trent. Thank you, Srinath. And thanks to you, listener. Stump Mike is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, or anywhere else you get your podcast from. Leave us a rating on iTunes. Do all the good things you do. It helps more people find the podcast. Let us know your thoughts by tweeting to us at ESPN Trick Info. Until next time, then, it's goodbye from all of us at ESPN Trick Info. Take care.